I'm Dan Voshkevich, The Handler. This week, we'll be visiting the agents of Arcel in their home lives. Let's see what Rooster is hunting this week. So, summer in the Bay Area is amazing compared to what Ophelia said is hotter than the devil's testicles in Yuma, Arizona. In August, you're sitting on the patio of the Relay Club in Vallejo. There's uh, some tables outside, and the beer is cool, and the weather is nice, and the ladies and some men are dressed in a skimpy fashion as they're out hunting, if you will. Rooster's sitting there on, on the patio and enjoying a nice cold brew, and he sees some other locals that are like, Hey, how's it going? Give him the kind of two-finger wave back at him. Not saying much or anything, but kind of, yeah, hey, I see you. As they move by and they go into the bar, you see a, a gal that you had not seen before. She's chatting up a, another woman. She's a, a fairly tall Hispanic woman, hair pulled back a little bit severely. She's dressed in nice fitting jeans and a t-shirt or a top that, you know, has been uh, cut and tied back together. But there's just something about her that draws your eye. Is it the boobs? It's the boobs are there. The hips are there, the butt's there, and she's a very pretty face. So it's not just the body that grabs my eye. Okay. You know, you're not entirely sure if the eyelashes were purchased or if they're homemade, but they are on point. Almost like a Venus flytrap trying to catch flies. Well, I'm a pretty fly guy. I'm game. So she's talking with someone else right now? Yeah, she's talking with another girl. Is she chatting up the girl, or are they just chatting? They're just chatting. Okay. I'm gonna give it a minute, see if this uh, other girl leaves, or if they're here together. Because I want to talk to this, the one who caught my eye on her own. It looks like they're there together. You're not sure if they are together. You never know in these day and age. Her friend heads off into the bar. Looks like she's about to go off and refresh their drinks leaving this woman alone to the predatory gaze of the sex panther that is known as Rooster as he stalks the savannah of... All right, I'm laying, it, I'm laying that on thick. But she's, she's standing there and she looks over and she sees you and she looks up and then her eyes slowly go down, spend some time on your shoes, and then comes back and looks at you and kind of smiles. Hmm. Well, I know an invitation when I see one. So I get up, head over, and go, Okay, you rang? Hmm. It is like being at a butcher shop. So you're saying I'm a piece of meat? I didn't say that. I would respect you in the morning. Hmm. So you're planning on seeing me in the morning then? Is that what you're saying? Can you make breakfast? I can burn toast. That's the wrong answer there. Sorry. I make a mean cup of coffee, though. Uh, all right, you're, you're, you're moving that the needle back over a little bit more. And I've got a couple of really good brunch places pegged out already with reservations. Now you have my attention. All right, so if you can't cook, but you can come up with brunch. So that means that we're not we're going to miss breakfast and we'd be late for a reason. And we'd be doing brunch, right? Well, I figure that, you know, mornings usually is when you want seconds anyway. Because you're hungry, you want breakfast. Well, exactly. You gotta eat in the morning. You're not really pork belly, and you're not really flank steak. She looks at your tight sleeves. That are rolled up, of course. Shirt unbuttoned a little bit at the neck. 
and you're not, I really wouldn't say you're filet mignon. You might be like, maybe prime sirloin. I was gonna go with bacon because bacon's always good and you can never have enough. Are you a cop? No, I am not a cop. That's a good thing. All right, so hey, you're moving, you're moving that needle over even a little bit more. I'm not gonna call you bacon. Okay. Unless we're gonna call you Kevin Bacon and we're gonna find out if you're, you know, how many degrees away from whatever you are. Right now you're about six degrees away from where you need to be. Well, that was gonna be my line, but obviously you always get closer than six. It never actually takes six degrees. So I must be closer than that. Well, let's see. What's gonna get you closer? Well, what's gonna get me closer is the greatest pickup line of all time. Oh, I, I wait with bated breath. I put my hand out and say, I'm Jeremy. I'm Elena. And she shakes your hand. And she holds onto your hand and she kind of turns it over and looks at the outside of your wrist and turns it over, looks at the inside of your wrist and shake your hand. Okay, I gotta ask, what were you looking for and what did you see? Tan lines, tattoos, that type of thing. Wait, I got tan lines? Nope, you don't have any tan lines. Okay, good, because I'm not sure when the last time I rolled how a shirt sleeve down was. Uh, yeah, no tan lines, no tattoos. Not so bad. Oh, those tan lines. Yeah, no, no. And then I pick up her hand, and I kind of hold it gently in mine, turn it over back and forth. Hmm, infinity tattoo. Some of us were dumb when we were younger. Wait, I just met you. How do you know me so well? It's kind of like I've seen you before. I think we're at seven degrees now. She smiles. It's okay, we can keep going. She kind of looks around. Is that a craft beer? Honestly, I asked for one. I don't know what this one is, but I said I like malt and don't fill it up with all the stuff that tastes like a pine tree because I want a beer that tastes like something and not something that tastes like I licked a pine cone. Yeah, licking pine cones isn't always a good thing. But if you're good at it, then we'll say that you're going to be at five degrees now. Well, I can't say I'm good at licking pine cones. Other things, eh, quite a bit better at. She reaches into that pseudo pocket that's in women's jeans and pulls out a lollipop. And she, hand and she just puts it out. She goes, it's worth it, right? First off, I say, god damn, why? Do they only make women's jeans that'll hold something this small? I know. It's like they don't give a shit. But hey, they make my ass look fantastic. I lean over, take a look. I have a hard time believing that it couldn't look fantastic, no matter what you were wearing. No, no, that's getting, you're getting better at this. She sits down on the one of the stools. I'm waiting for a demonstration. And then I will undo that lollipop and go to town on it with highly exaggerated motions. Her friend comes back out at this moment and, and hands her a beer. It's the same beer that you have in your hand. She looks at it, she smiles. This is Jeremy. And this is Liz. Liz just waves and, and Elena's like, hey, uh, you should watch this. He's, he's actually really, really good at that. And I go, hey Liz, what am I going at, huh? Keep going. Shrug, keep going. Elena leans in closer. You give off so much fake himbo energy, it's not even funny. But that's okay. I'm having a good time. Okay, I got three questions for you. One, can I take this out of my mouth so I can talk clearly? No. Okay. Two, what's a himbo? 
And what's your third question? Why is mine fake? Wait, I take it back. I got four questions. All right, go ahead. Fourth one. Which brunch place do I get to take you to tomorrow? Neither. We actually have brunch plans, but what's your cell phone number? With the thing still in my mouth, I pull out my phone, slide it over to her, and it's an empty contact that says, Fascinatingly Intelligent Girl. She looks down at it. All right, that's not so bad. She punches in a number, and then she moves around on the phone and saves it, and then she starts punching a number in in her phone. She finishes up, and then she hands you back your phone, and she shows you her phone. And your contact name is Prime Sirloin, and it has her has her phone number on it. Or has your phone number there. Okay, so I'm just gonna not double-check, because even if this is a fake number you gave me, this is fun. It is fun. Well, we got stuff to do, and another, another place to hit up. Maybe we'll see you later. You know how to reach me. I do. At which point I go, lick, and reinsert. She wipes her face. Oh, that was wet. Uh, could be worse. And her friend busts up laughing, and uh, they head off. Bye, Sirloin. Bye, Sirloin. Hey, I say to myself. Apparently I got knighted. A few days later, a text message pops up. Hey, Top Sirloin, we're going to have a picnic. You're invited. You're fun. Let's talk. I text back. Am I going to get grilled? How about smoked? Text back. Against you? Absolutely. And then she responds back with a green smiley face and texts you an address to a park off of Sears Point. I text back. What's the dress code and what am I bringing? Shorts, sandals, and beer. No shirt? If you want. Did you look up himbo? See you there. In her time off, Rowan has traveled cross-country. Let's hear how that's going. Your first few days in New York City are a change of atmosphere than what you're used to being in California. You've been to New York City a few times in your life, but you've never been able to really appreciate just how loud and how busy the city is. And then the seminar is a weekend-long seminar, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu seminar, and the instructor, his name is Renato Maca. He is a Brazilian national and trained with some of the greatest instructors in all of Brazil. Goes back to the original family, trained with the Gracies. Renato Maca is a fictional character. People are filled in this Jiu-Jitsu skill to the brim. The floors are all mats. The walls have mats. The pillars have mats around them. There is about 140 people squeezed into this room. And even through the sparring and the rolling, sometimes you're rolling into people and moving into people and just working within almost like a crowd fighting type of situation. There is an energy and a friendship here that's very comforting to Samantha. Everybody is here trying to kill each other, but in the most friendly way possible. They stop each other when you're like, all right, you got me. And then they go back and restart and try to kill each other again. That is kind of the philosophy of training jujitsu. The instructor speaks with a heavy Brazilian accent. The lights are dimmed per your request. They were able to bring them down. Hanato kind of likes this. He comes over to you. He goes, hey, uh, your, the lighting is good. We, we bring it down. The lighting is great. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Good, good. Because rarely do people fight in daylight. It's fight in streets and fight in darkness. It's true. And, you know, the more that people are uh, challenged, the more they try. 
Sometimes you can even fight with your eyes closed. That's how you should train. Close your eyes. You go by feel. You want to touch it. I've done that a few times. I I have difficulty letting go enough to really do that. Ah, you have to let go. Just let it go, like they say in that Disney song. <laughs> you know what? For the next for the next drill. All right, everybody, sing. Let it go. Let it go. You're not singing. <laughs> and then everybody in the the gym kind of starts to sing that. And uh, as he's walking away, good shit. I don't know the rest of the words. And Samantha is just giggling to herself, like, I have nibblings, I don't like that song. (laughs) But enjoying the camaraderie of it. At one point, he starts to show off a cross arm bar. He's like, Poha, this is what you do. The fellow de puta, you grab hold the arm, you grab the elbow here, and you lean back. Make sure you keep your knees in tight. Knees in tight. Hold in tight and just lift the hips. Hmm, okay. Why the elbow? Why do you hold the elbow in particular? The elbow? You hold the elbow because as it breaks, you feel it crush. It's like you're squeezing a fresh rotisserie chicken and the bones pop out. Duly noted. Yes. Why is everybody looking at me? Go. Poha, go. I said go. I'll find a sparring partner to practice a couple of those arm bars with without squeezing rotisserie chickens. Everybody's giggling about that. The instructor has a charisma to him. You kind of have to have it, especially for the cost of the seminar. At the end of the seminar, you're presented with a purple belt to advance your blue belt by Hanato Maka. You did well. Not too bad. Thank you, sir. You need to make sure you squeeze your knees in tighter and squeeze, put your elbows together. But you have it. Remember, you got to let it go. Sometimes just let it go. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. And I'll, I'll look at him as I'm holding the, the belt and then just close my eyes. Yes, sir. Good. You got it. And he moves on to the next person and offers them some good words of encouragement. And the last thing I need to tell you all, if it feels like you're trying too hard, you are. And he leaves the building. And everybody's like, the shit does that mean? He's like a goddamn Brazilian Yoda. And Samantha just considers that for a moment because she's seen some shit. And she's like, hmm, okay. Just files that, that comment away in her mind because she kind of knows what he means. Like, she can't put it into words, but she understands what he's talking about. The day before you're about to leave, you're covered in bruises. They're mystery bruises. You have no clue. Because one, you can't necessarily reach that part of your own body. But you brush up against something or it touches your clothes and it hurts. Everything aches in such a good way. Mm -hmm. The flight back west feels good. Maybe you've been grounded. Maybe you found a little bit of center. Maybe you let it go. (laughs) But whatever it is, I'm sure I sleep well. Did curiosity get the better of River? Let's find out. Spending time out in the wilderness with your family has really helped. You guys were able to spend about a week doing some camping or some pseudo-glamping as much as you can with the teenager. There was a few complaints a little bit early on. One night, she had some night terrors again. But overall, the trip went well. You were able to reconnect with Jennifer, you know, in many ways, sometimes a couple times a day, especially when Katie went off and uh, went exploring on her own. Overall, it was a fantastic trip. When you return back to home, though, back to the job, back in your office, things have calmed down You've got paperwork that you need to file and uh, the normal nine to five job, the office job. 
and uh, you open up your desk drawer and you see the book that you had snagged from the green box beyond the veils of science by dr harlow y Patton. you'd skimmed it previously and something you, something came to mind and you started looking through the ideas of brain waves and gamma waves and radio frequencies because there's a lot of conversation about that um, especially radio waves and radar waves and lidar waves and how it can impact the mind and how you could protect against it in the book you do find that there is uh, some information a schematic if you will for some type of headset that'll block those waves from coming in and maybe amplify your own going out but nobody could really do i mean that's all bunk right bunk science i don't know I mean, there's no scientific explanation for this, but somehow they knew things that they shouldn't have known. You find that you can get a hold of some of these materials fairly easily, especially in your job. One of them is a collection of a few of the heavier metals, very low on the uh, periodic table. Well, yeah, so this looks like something I might be able to build. Maybe work up uh, a few few sketches of your own and, and write out some of the schematics on your own. And as you're looking at it, this does not look anywhere near cool. It kind of looks like it's something out of a bad science fiction movie out of the 80s or 60s or 50s. Well, it's not exactly something I could wear every day. It doesn't quite look like a tinfoil hat, but it's kind of the same thing. You wear a tinfoil hat every day or would you? Or would you line the inside of your toque, your stocking cap? Well, more like a ball cap, I think. I mean, if it worked. If it worked, you'd wear it? Okay. And it wasn't too obvious. So, how do you think you're going to go about getting a hold of these items? I guess it's not something you ju could just go out and buy in a store. If Radio Shacks were still around, then possibly. There is one in Snowflake, but I don't think you want to go back to Arizona anytime soon. Not in the summer. Well, I mean, if it exists, something somebody's selling it on the internet, right? That's right. There is a rule 34 for that. So I'll, I'll go out and search and assuming I can afford it to eat without too much trouble, uh, probably buy like three times as much as, as I think I need so I can experiment and do a prototype or two. You gather supplies over the next couple of days and uh, you bring them into, do you have a, does River have a work shed? Or does he like have a workspace in his garage? Does he have a, a man cave? I think he has a, a workbench in the garage, not, not a big space, but, uh, you know, you can go park the car on the street and have enough space to uh, do most any project. Katie comes in one day after you've gotten a working, or you've gotten a prototype set up. You have it set up on a, like a styrofoam head. What's that? Um, it's kind of a, uh, just a little, uh, electronic gizmo I'm tinkering with. Is it like a headset? Kind of. Are we trying to listen into the stars? It's kind of more like making sure the stars don't listen to us. I like that idea. Does it work? I'm not really sure how to test it. Hmm. Are you, are you still having those nightmares? Yeah. Do you think this will help with my nightmares? It's kind of big. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out how to make it smaller. But I mean. But will it help with the nightmares? There's really only one way to find out. Does mom know? I haven't given her any specifics on what I'm doing. Can I try it? If you want. She puts it on her head and it's a little bit it's a little bit big and kind of moves around. 
you might be able to adjust it, make some adjustment straps here or there. Oh, oh yeah, I was I was kind of building it based on my head. You got a big head. Well, thanks a lot. I mean, it has its own orbit. And she's like, ooh, and she mockingly nearly headbutts you and then kisses you on the cheek. Try not to let your mom see you wearing it. Okay. Does it turn but on? Let me know how it... Is it on? Does it have a switch or does it just work? You tell me. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I haven't exactly polished it yet. So, I mean, as long as you got this little battery in here, it's it's kind of on. Okay. I might put in a switch later. I'm not I'm not sure how long the battery's going to last, actually. It should last a while. I mean, it's, it's, it's mostly electronics. It doesn't draw a lot of current. Well, I mean, if you're using a standard alkaline battery, that might not work as well as a lithium battery. I've got I've got a couple of those. No, this is lithium. Are you sure, Dad? It's a Duracell. Not... Duracell alkaline. I'm looking at it right now. Oh well, I meant to put a lithium in. Mm, okay. Like I said, I'm, I'm gonna try to make it smaller and less nerdy looking. Yeah, it does look silly. Looks like it's part of a cartoon. <gasps> oh no! But this is to prevent them from reading my mind, right? Yeah, so it is kind of a cartoon. Okay, can I try it out tonight? If you want. I'm curious to see how well you sleep. Okay. Yay, this should be fun. She takes it off, she puts it on the the styrofoam head, and she heads off, and she starts talking about battery life. Maybe we could find a different battery, or maybe we can double up on batteries, and she's talking to herself. That's my girl. The next morning, you wake up, and standing alongside your bed, staring at you in one of the most ultra-creepy ways, is your young teenage daughter. Um, good morning. Morning. She's smiling. How are you feeling? Fantastic. Oh, isn't that nice? Sleep well? Yeah, and I had some really weird dreams. She looks over at Jennifer, who's still asleep. Can we go downstairs and talk about them? Yeah, I think we should. I had a dream about an island. It wasn't a bad dream but I had a dream about an island and there was a lake in the middle of the island. There was someone calling out, but he didn't see me, but I saw him. I think maybe we should try something different. No, no, it worked. It worked. It worked. I didn't have, I didn't have a bad dream. And she's kind of bouncing. I didn't have a bad dream. I didn't have a bad dream. It worked, but it, it, yeah. Well, do you know where this island is? No. Should we go look? No, we should not. Why not? Like Google Earth? This was supposed to keep things from reaching into your mind, and it seems like it's done the opposite. I don't think it reached in. I think I reached out. We really need to know more about what's happening here before we go much further. Okay. Does that mean I can't wear it tonight? Um, I'd rather you didn't wear it tonight. Do you want to wear it tonight? Um, I kind of do, but I wouldn't want to explain it to Jen. It's a science project. Right. I I guess I can give it a try. Yay. And she bounces a little bit. So that night, Jennifer looks at you. That is not a CPAP machine, and you don't snore. Yeah, that's why it's not over my nose. What is that contraption on your head? Oh, it's just a little thing I'm trying out. It's, it's uh... You know, supposed to uh, kind of ease your brain waves, make you sleep more easily. Don't they make, like, copper headbands that they sell on QVC to do that? Well, yeah, I mean, they sell all sorts of things on QVC. Um, 
So yeah, I'm trying to make this myself so that I know that it's doing what it says it does. If I wake up and you're sounding like Darth Vader or something out of a movie with Val Kilmer from the 80s, you're sleeping on the couch. Understood. Or I'll just take it off. Okay, sounds good. She looks at you. Good night, I love you. You're a weirdo and I still love you. That's why you love me. I love you too. It has to be. And then she curls up with her body pillow and keeps looking back at you. She shakes her head and she giggles a little bit. That night, before you go to bed, what is the last thing you think about? Oh, giving me the tough questions. Yeah, that is a tough question. I'm thinking about Yuma. When you fall asleep, you fall asleep with Yuma on the mind. And you see yourself in your dream flying over Mustang. Mustang has been bulldozed. Some of the buildings are still intact. The movie theater has been burnt out. The stationery store still remains. You don't see a soul, but you see a lot of coyotes walking through the town. It's clear because the moon is high and the coyotes give a little bit of a howl and some of them look up and seem to make eye contact with you. You're not entirely sure how, but the pack of coyotes stop and look up and they begin to yip. The sound of coyotes at nighttime sounds like babies crying, but yet you see Mustang and it's peaceful. You fly past the medicine annex and you see that there are two burnt out vehicles. Kind of gives you a little bit of a smile. Before you know it, you hear your alarm going off on your Apple Watch. You come to and your neck's a little cranked, a little cranked up a little bit from how you were sleeping. Wasn't the best, but you feel refreshed. And there's a 13-year-old standing over you looking down going, Are you awake, Dad? I'm awake. Did it work? It did something. I'm not sure what the hell it was. I made coffee and, and toast. Mom's still asleep. Yeah, she's never needed one of these to sleep well. She looks over and smiles. I didn't have the best dream last night. Could could I use that again maybe later? I don't know. I mean, if it's if the dreams are really bad, I don't want you using this every night. At least not 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 at first. Okay, but it worked, huh? Where did you go? Did you go someplace fun? No, not really. But it was. Oh, but you went somewhere though. It was peaceful, at least. More peaceful than I expected it to be. She smiles. It works. It works. It works. It works. It works. Can we enter this into the science contest? No. I figured that would be the answer. It's worth asking, though, right? It's always worth asking. It's kind of like Dexter's laboratory. So I was thinking about about the power supply. Yeah. If we could maybe come up with a, uh, a way to harness it, um, one of the Niodium cell phone chargers might work even better than that little double uh, A, and it could go on for a while. I've got one that charges my phone like six times. It's like 630, you know, megawatts, so or megahertz. So I mean, we could, it could potentially last a lot longer than that little one. I don't know how much power is drawing though. Could we test the power draw? Do your homework first. No, wait, it's summer. <laughs> this is my homework. <laughs> we can try a few things. This would be a, a good project to work on together, right? Yeah. I think. I'd really like to make it less obtrusive. Yeah, it kind of looks a little bit dorky. Yeah, you're being kind, aren't you? Yeah, you kind of look like the top of a Dalek. 
if I start going around saying exterminate, take it off me. Deal. Returning home to the nation's capital, Quinn expects to be debriefed, but there is a twist. It's a balmy day in Washington, D.C. August is particularly humid this year. It seems though a heat wave is thrown all the way across the United States. Temperatures are at an all-time high everywhere. Quinn, Lena, Dr. Lena Rasavong, has been enjoying some time off, also talking with her own therapist and counselors. On this day, she's sharing a brunch with her ex-wife, Sheila. And Sheila's going on and on about all of the new and exciting things going on. In the prattering of her ex-wife, she looks down at her phone and it vibrates with a text from Agent Quigley, a member of Q-Cell. Please meet me at Federal Building B. Quinn definitely furrows her brow. She's probably not used to actually getting many texts from her fellow agents like that, especially in her own cell. Um, And it had been probably pretty quiet for a while. And to be honest, she was probably enjoying a bit of break from all of that and, you know, focusing on her more public life. Um, But she knows these are the types of messages that can't go unanswered. And at the same time, she might be a little happy for an excuse to wrap up her brunch with Sheila. To be honest, she was probably, um, her mind was probably wandering through at least half of brunch anyways. You're not entirely sure what Sheila had said, but last thing she said was, I think I'm going to get another mimosa. Do you want one? Uh, you know, I, I gotta actually cut this short. A work thing just came up. Oh, okay. All right. Well, maybe we can do this again next week. Uh, yeah. Let me, um, just check my schedule and get back to you. All right. And she smiles her normal million dollar smile and butterflies back over toward the bar where the uh, mimosa tray is currently resting. And Quinn will kind of sneakily ask for the check and pay the entire bill. She can at least owe Sheila that much for being probably such a pretty poor conversationalist during all of this. And of course, you know, a while back, abandoning Sheila at Quinn or Lena's 40th birthday party that Sheila had planned, but Quinn had to go off on her assignment and didn't exactly tell Sheila that she was leaving. Yeah, maybe Lena came back a little bit different than when she first originally left. Yeah, I'm sure Sheila has noticed that. You know, things were probably already a little weird with with the divorce, but Sheila did know Lena enough to know that it's probably more than just that, but during their marriage, she also was used to the I can't talk about it stance. So she hasn't probed. I, I she Sheila hasn't either hasn't probed too much, or Lena has been so lost in her thoughts and just going over what happened and thinking about how her sister's doing, which is still probably a struggle that she at least has been a bit uh, shielded from any uh, inquiries on that end. Kanika's therapies have been going well. She chose not to go onto the Benthic program that was available at the time. She did promise Lena that she would look into it more and look into other therapies, and the therapies are going going okay. They're not great, but Kanika seems still to be leaning toward the Benthic based off of the information that she's finding, and new information that's coming out is proving that it is very useful, and she doesn't understand why just yet. Yeah, 
And I imagine that probably this week and the week before, you know, the weekly text messages or emails forwarding articles have turned into probably daily messages from her sister with another study or article. And this has probably put Lena even more on edge than she already has been. And she really doesn't know what else she can say without revealing the entire truth to dissuade her sister. Lena's walk away from the patio here in Georgetown is there is a a bit of relief or maybe hesitation because Quigley had reached out. But the noise from the brunch place behind you and Sheila kind of there. Lena's alone in her thoughts as uh, she heads toward the federal building. When you arrive, you see Quigley sitting outside, vaping on a e-cigarette, and looks over, and he waves at you, and he has a jolly face. It's a bit round. His uh, British heritage kind of comes out with his facial structures, facial features. Lena will at least muster up enough energy to give the polite grin and, and make it look as sincere as possible, trying to cover up her stress. In the past, Q-Cell wasn't used to having to go on such stressful missions. And so she probably feels more isolated than ever because even the rest of, you know, the Q-Cell wouldn't really understand what she had gone through. Definitely. Quigley's smile gives you that exact feeling with those thoughts that you have. Hey, Quinn, how have you been? You know, just <laughs> trying to stay cool, right? Yeah, it's, it's hot out here. So... Are you ready to come in from out of the heat? If, you're, if, <laughs> if we're being welcomed by AC, then yes, please. Try to make a double entendre there, but maybe you didn't catch it. We've got an opportunity here, and I talked with Kadri, and I think, and we're gonna, we're gonna take it. It's just you that's left. Okay, I'm. I really don't know what you're talking about. So, sounds like you have something to tell me. Yeah, let's let's walk and talk. There's a there's a nice little park over here. Oh, so we're not getting the AC then? Not at the moment. Okay. Shade will be a good uh, second best (laughs) gift there. You walk toward the park and the geese are out and the ducks and they're uh, making their usual noisy selves. And also means that you're walking by a pond and a stream, so it's extra muggy. Quigley looks at you. Do you you know my real name? And she... She froze her brow a little, and she is trying to rack her brain, thinking of if they ever got that personal. Anybody in Q-Cell? No, no, I don't think you do. I'm Bert. Uh, and, and she kind of stops for a minute. She, she's trying to think back to what was protocol. You know, she doesn't know anybody's personal name. It, is it okay to tell the personal names? And she's kind of thinking to herself and is probably silent for a little, looking a little dumbfounded. Um, Bert. Lena. <laughs> he smiles and nods and, and kind of shakes his head in a, in a jovial manner. So we've been doing this Delta Green thing for a while and doing the Q-Cell thing. Yeah. And, and Lena looks around because she feels like Bert didn't like lower his voice that much at all, <laughs> saying things like Delta Green and, and Q-Cell. And this is coming right after him revealing his real name and she's just utterly confused right now oh it's it's okay um we're we're gonna be there's nobody around and he looks around and and he's right there's there is no one really around you not within earshot at least yeah (sighs) 
So we've been approached by the United States government to become an official part of their Delta Green program. Turns out we were not official before. We're being asked to join the program. And Kadri and I decided that we're going to do it. Wait, what are you talking about? Official part of... What do you mean we weren't an official part of Delta Green? Did you ever notice that we never got badges or all of our pay was from someplace other than a legitimate source? Layers and layers, right? Yes, and we were also often dealing with cases that, well, would never see the light of day when it came to the public. I, Delta Green is a top-secret organization. I, we can't just have a business card. He breaches into his jacket, his windbreaker. Even though it's still 90 degrees, he's still wearing like a light golf windbreaker. And pulls out a business card holder, pops it open, hands it to you. It says, Dr. Burt Rooney, March Technologies, Department 4, Office of Research, with his phone number and an office in the greater D.C. area. Day job? Delta Green job. When did this all happen? I... We made the decision. We were approached in early June when you were away. And then there's some HR things that had to be done. And I did some digging. You know, I'm pretty good at at doing the digging aspect of it. And it's legit. They're funded by the Department of Defense and Department of Homeland Security, as well as Department of the Interior, depending as to which department you're under. This is legit. But I didn't... Who the hell have we been working for then? That's a little bit more complicated, and I, I can't give you a def- definite answer. But the stuff that we did was good, though, right? You know, we, we helped people deal with things that weren't normal, and we never had any real backing. Luckily, we never needed it, you know? I mean, God forbid something would happen on a massive scale, right? And at this point, Lena is just so confused and overwhelmed, she probably just plops down on the nearest park bench to really gather her thoughts and and kind of think through her mind is now racing thinking about her entire history with delta green from when she was recruited any of the missions that she you know consulted on obviously this most recent mission and trying to search for like clues of what is the truth were there signs that this wasn't real in your memory you're you're seeing red flags pop up and yellow flags but you're also aware of things that have a top secret nature so there are sometimes layers and layers of secrecy you don't necessarily have a clear answer on it i mean i just don't know for sure i can trust what what do you call them, the program mm-hmm. i mean who's to say they're not you know the fake organization Well, how about we go into the office and I introduce you to the director? She's taken aback that it would be that easy. Uh... Well, not the director of the program, but the director of the division that that have been chosen for us and that we we opted to get into. There's AC. (laughs) And the the Starbucks on the first floor has got some killer lemonade. (laughs) I guess a conversation doesn't hurt. Yeah, come on. Let's go. It's exciting. Yeah. We're going to move. We're going to screen wipe to Lena and Bert standing in front of 
a federal building. Has the United States federal seal on the wall outside as well as Department of Homeland Security. And he walks up, places a badge against the door. It beeps and it allows, allows him in. Any ways for you to, to follow through? There are security protocols there. You're having to walk through uh, metal detectors. Uh, guard looks at you and asks you, are you carrying a firearm? If you can, please place it into this bin here and please walk through the metal detectors. No firearm, but she'll like, you know, put her purse down and her belongings. And you step through and the metal detector is similar to one of the fancier ones that you find in airports. It's not just a regular beep beep. As you go through, you actually hear some noise of mechanical things moving with inside, almost as though it's scanning you. Mm. You catch a glimpse of the person manning the computer and it's not just a x-ray of you. There is a readout, a biological readout of your person. Everything is blue. Nothing stands out. And with that being cleared, they push a button and they wave you through to continue on. And so far, she's definitely impressed with the legitimacy of the security. Bert walks over and goes, oh, you want to grab a lemonade? Um, you know, let's just, let's just get up there. Okay. Actually, it's down. Ah, Okay. Walks to an elevator and pushes a button for one of the subfloors, and the elevator uh, makes a couple ding noises, and you hit a couple floors. Some people come on and, and exit off, and you go down about five or six floors down into the sublevel. And you can see he's kind of bouncing with energy, and a little pep in his step as the door opens. He kind of hop steps, and he's like, come on. In front of you is a glass wall with D4 etched onto the glass. He flashes his badge at one of the security spots and then places his finger and there's also a retinal scan and the door opens. Inside you see that there is a waiting room and it is set up in like a 1960s office. It's much more retro than you would expect. Most of the government items are very bland and modern and minimalistic. This has items that are rounded, there's ovals, it seems though that this is almost out of like a neo-futurism, almost like a TV show if you will. Mm -hmm. Bert walks over to the desk where a secretary is sitting. The secretary looks up and he asks some questions of Bert, makes a quick phone call. Bert's like, alright, the director will be here uh, with you in, in just a moment. I'm gonna step into my office real quick, just hang out here. They'll take care of you, I promise. Sure, thanks quick... Uh Bert. He smiles. It's tough to get used to, but it's worth it. And she just smiles and nods. A woman dressed in a power suit comes out from behind one of the walls. Uh, Lena Razavong, would you please come with me? Yeah, and she immediately straightens up. I don't think she expected kind of this powerful woman to be the one to approach her. Um, she might be a little attracted to <laughs> this person, but she's trying to that was like probably her first instinct, uh, and then she's trying to calm herself and get her head straight, and uh, she'll follow. Yeah. She walks with a deliberate gait, and she looks back. Glad to see that you're able to make it down here. We've heard a lot about you. We're looking forward to having you uh, possibly come aboard. Yeah, well, I'm glad you heard about me, because I never heard anything about you all. That's the good part. She walks down a hallway, and you see on a very nice hardwood door, there is a sign that says, Gregory Tapham, Director of Office of Research. She opens up the door, she beckons you to follow, and points for you to sit down at one of the leather seats. Seated behind a very large wooden desk is an African-American man. 
He's in his late 60s, but you see that his face has been burnt quite a bit, and he's got old but pink scars over his face. And he stands, and it's a little bit slow in standing, and he extends his hand. And Lena, in her work, she has worked with abuse victims, and in some cases, people who, because of the abuse and attacks, have been quite disfigured. So she's used to keeping a straight face when she sees something like that. So it doesn't, like, take her back at all, and and she'll confidently shake his hand. When you shake his hand, you find that his right hand is also covered in scars. You actually realize that he is missing his ring finger. So it's a little disturbing, but you're able to, you're holding everything together. You have that face. You're able to not necessarily acknowledge it. Again, having worked with people who've had things like this happen to them, you know, maybe an acid attack or, you know, other abuse that left physical scars, um, she'll just calmly sit down and say, something you want to acknowledge or we just don't talk about? He smiles. What do we need to acknowledge? You're extremely talented. And she'll nod and understand. Most people recoil when they see me. You did not. It's not the first I've seen. And sadly, it's not the worst. I understand that. I've spoken with your colleagues, and they've uh, spoken very highly of you. We've been watching you for some time anyway, and we think that it is time that we would like to offer you a position with us. Now, who we are, we are the program. We are protecting the United States from things from beyond. And I don't necessarily mean things from China or Russia or earthbound or Terran entities. We're talking about things, and he points up. Quinn nods with familiarity. Now, things have been here for a very long time, so we could say that they are native to our planet, but they are not. And this is not a movie. This is not a film. This is not science fiction. This is science reality. We are the Office of Research, and currently we have a project that we would like you to fit into. You'd be slot into a, a position as a therapist and a counselor as necessary, and we would certainly expect your analysis of some of the items that come across your desk and or people or things. It is called Project Red Pendulum. We study extrasensory perception, precognition, psychokinesis, pyrokinesis, and other innate human psychic abilities. Such powers are far more often fraud than genuine. What true psychics that have been located have quickly descended into an unstable mental position. Our goal is to understand the unnatural as it interacts with the human condition. Now you, you've encountered thought control, menticide through disassociative identity disorders. We know this because we know a great deal about Albert Marsh. This whole time, Lena has been listening intently, but then at the mention of the thought control, and then especially at the name Albert Marsh, she tenses up. Would you like to know more about why Albert Marsh was able to do the things that he did? Her thoughts are racing. I mean, she still has questions about this organization, but she felt like her last mission left her with so more questions than answers. And so the promise of perhaps finding those answers are definitely enticing. And she probably is kind of a lot, like that's the mental ping pong she's doing right now. And probably has stayed silent for like a little longer than she realized she has. We seek the truth. You also seem to want to find the truth. 
She slowly nods. Now, we don't have all of the answers. That's why we ask the questions. She lets out a bit of a sigh. I can only assume you know all about me and the work I've done with what I thought was Delta Green. And I'm sure you even have the resources to know my most recent mission. And, well, obviously you do. You, you know my connection and my knowledge of and experience with Albert Marsh. And I'm sure you know how that all ended, or at least a version of how that all ended. And I'll be frank, it did leave me with probably 10 times more questions than any answers. So your offer, I mean, it's enticing. You have to understand, for the past, I mean, years, I thought I was working for Delta Green. It's been something that has consumed, you know, my life. It probably contributed to the end of my marriage. And I'm just discovering, you know, in the last hour that I haven't been working for them and you are Delta Green. We prefer to use the term, the program. Delta Green is antiquated and honestly, a bunch of renegades. Okay, we can use whatever labels we want. I mean, I'm used to using code names, as you know. It's just, you talk about protecting humanity, the world, from... And she points up to the ceiling. That's what I have been doing, or at least that's what I thought I have been doing. What is the difference? I mean, who... What's the difference? And she just kind of finally, like shrugs her shoulders and kind of slumps a little in her chair as the frustration over feeling like she's been deceived finally vents out. He leans back in his chair a little bit and it creaks a tiny little bit. I understand. I cannot give you all of those answers. I can tell you from what I've seen of your debrief of your history working with Q-Cell that you have done good work. You have not done anything counter to what we are doing. It seems as though that your missions have been in line with ours. This is a good thing. This is why we want to bring you on. Besides the fact that it would be seamless, now you will also have support. No longer will you be stuck with just four people or five people doing the good work. You will have the backing of the United States federal government and all of the tools that we have available to you. now. I do not feel that your skills aren't to be out in the field. You should be talking to people. You should be analyzing things. You should be using your mind. I mean, you have an excellent 5k time and your swim time is fantastic and you're in great shape, but you don't belong in the field. I have a place for you and it comes with a salary, a very competitive salary. Now, you will be able to keep your own clients that you have. Now, I won't be able to allow you to have new clients coming in, and your current clients may be underneath some surveillance for a time to make sure that no information gets out, but I could reassure you it would not impact their lives unless there was a risk or concern. I can even provide that for you in writing. Now, with a salary, we can also provide you with competitive days off and benefits and we have one of the best healthcare programs in the world. And I don't mean a, a private plan either. She looks up at that. We can make sure that your family is included, including your sister. Two of our agents went to visit her for an interview about you, and she was very adamant and very headstrong. Oh, so you were the ones who visited her. She called me, I mean, she was scared. Here she was thinking, I was thinking you were 
And then she kind of hesitates saying the word benthic, which is who she did think was visiting her sister when two mysterious people showed up at her house. And she's not quite sure. She still wasn't isn't sure what she should divulge with this with the program, you know, from her past missions. I apologize for causing her stress. I understand that her therapies have at that point were not going well. I hope that she is feeling well and doing well now. We can ensure that she gets the best treatment from the best doctors. She just slowly nods again. I mean, she's definitely her mind is still racing. Obviously, it's like a lot to take in. I mean, it's obviously hard to doubt your legitimacy. We clearly went through a federal building with badges and security. That would be difficult to fake. And in hindsight, I realize I never had that in my old work. I think I convinced myself that's just what happens when you're part of a top secret initiative. What about the other cells? Do they know about y you? I, the few other people I worked with, they thought they were legit. Some of them are useful pawns and can do work that is not necessarily covered by the United States government. Others are misguided. The ones that you worked with, we have some questions about. We have quite a few questions about them. Is that also part of the expectations of my work? If you wish to speak about it, you can. That is not why we brought you in, though. It just so happens that it lines up. And since I'm sure you have files on all of them, or at least most of them, what about Inez? We do not have much information on Inez. We know that Inez is a connection to you and the agent known as Agent Rowan, the FBI special agent. And Lena just nods and again looks lost in thought. I'm sure you'll understand if I need at least an evening to think about it. Certainly. She'll uh, get up, indicating that <laughs> this is probably the end. And He stands up as well. Irina will, will walk you out. It's been a pleasure meeting you. If we do not meet again, I would like you to know that I am very impressed with all of the things that you've done. You've done much good and you will continue to do good, regardless of which what you choose. Whether you come with us or you stay your current path. But no, there is no more Q-Cell. Kadri and Quigley, Bert and Ishmael have both chosen to come with us. She slowly nods in understanding. So she'll, yeah, she'll turn to exit. Irene is standing there with a like a leatherette folder and on the inside you can see that she's got a tablet that she was tapping away and she picks her head up and she opens up the door for you to leave. And I'm sure I'm being escorted back and as she is, she kind of stops and says, could I speak to Qu uh, Bert? Sure. She heads down another way. You're walking through a row of offices. The offices all have doors and no windows down here. The lighting is diffused. It feels comfortable. It doesn't feel sterile, though. And you come to a door, and it says Bert Rooney, Department of D4 Office of Research. She knocks on the door and opens it, and Bert's in there with a golf club, practicing his putt swing. And he looks over, oh, uh, Lena. Taxpayer's money, hard at work there. <laughs> I'm, on, I'm on break, come on. And she'll uh, kind of nod to Arena, like, I'll just be a few minutes type of thing. She smiles and closes the door behind you. Bert sits on the edge of his desk. So, welcome aboard. I told him I needed an evening to think about it. Am I crazy paranoid? I, 
did you all just jump at the opportunity with no questions asked? No, it took me two weeks. All honesty, I couldn't, I couldn't figure out what I wanted to do. I had a lot of the same questions you did. Like, what is this real? I mean, have you been contacted by anyone from the other cells? I mean, the people who recruited you, people who used to message us with missions? I mean, have they been in touch? No, but I have been watching them. <laughs> do you think they know that you went into the program? I think one or two might have, um, just simply because they're they're cyber folks, and I am now currently on a government payroll that, that is official with the DHS, putting points together, but nobody's reached out. But then again, nobody really ever did unless something was needed. I mean, granted, now I've got paperwork and I've got forms to fill out, and he motions back and you see that there's, you know, about 18 inches of, <laughs> of forms. I mean, this is still onboarding stuff, but, you know, I've, I've got, I'm working in a government building. I'm not working on, you know, the second floor of some old office building under the assumption that, oh, yeah, here's your psychic hunter. Yeah. And everything he says makes sense, you know, and she just shakes her head. Well, if you took two weeks, I might as well at least take the one night. It's good seeing you again. Yeah. And I guess maybe I'll be seeing you a lot more. I hope so. And... I chose this office. They've got a couple other options. They've got some on the on the higher floors too, depending on what you do. You might even get more offices because you know the whole shrinky thing. Sometimes you might have to talk to people. Yeah, sunlight at the very least would be nice. I had a lot of darkness in my last last mission. I got a little bit, but it was redacted, so I I can't see much of what was going on with that report. <laughs> you really don't want to. I'm supposed to actually ask you some questions about that in the future, but I figured... And she kind of looks at him quizzically, especially after she kind of questioned the director around if information that she gives about Arcel was kind of part of the requirements of taking the job. Uh, but she won't say anything. She just kind of gives a little quizzical look at that. I'm working on this thing about a cult, about the esoteric order of Dagon, and apparently their psychic abilities. Yeah, looks like I'll, if I accept, I'll be assigned to something that touches that as well. Apparently, there, there's an FBI agent in one of the cells that is that was part of it that actually has some latent psychic ability as well. Hmm. She tries to feign, like, surprise at that. <laughs> she tries not to give away, like, what she knows. Well, I, you know, better get going. I, I think just some space and time alone and perhaps a bottle of wine is what I need to think all this through. Sounds good. Oh, we can also go shopping on all of the PXs because of our badges. We can also go to duty-free stores, so tax-free wine. <laughs> and she just tuckles at that, like the things that, the perks that really excite him are pretty amusing to her. And she'll she'll exit and I see Marina's there to, to take her. Yeah, she's typing away. She looks at you, look, looks down at you, and you realize that she's about 6'3 in these short heels. She smiles and goes, are we heading out now? Yes, thanks for the detour. <laughs> You're welcome. The windows are open, the fans are on, and it's still hot on this August night in D.C. You're sitting there, bottle of wine, candlelight there. Kind of felt maybe it was a romantic type of situation, even though you're by yourself. The whole self-care thing. Just lost in thought. You know, are you doing the right thing? Were you doing the right thing? What would be the right thing moving forward? Yeah, and throughout the night as she's been thinking, multiple times she has picked up her cell phone 
and thought about trying to contact both Rowan with one of the numbers that she had, and then especially trying to find a way to contact Inez, you know, the person who brought her into all of this. But something always stops her, and she doesn't go through it, and and that kind of back and forth happens, and, and sometimes now she's just like picking up her phone mindlessly and then putting it back down. Her visit definitely convinced her about the legitimacy of the program at least being a sanctioned government organization but now so now she has just so many questions about who she had been working for and just racking her brain to think about what were the clues you know to indicate that this organization wasn't what she thought and and what exactly are are they your thoughts are interrupted with your phone vibrating as you've been putting down and picking it back up and it vibrates on the wooden table she kind of like picks it up thinking and maybe it's Sheila like trying to like confirm the, the next brunch as she had said um, and she'll, she'll look at her screen. It's another medical journal article from your sister about the benthic medication. This one has negatives in it, but it looks as though that the positives outweigh the negatives. She just sighs like another article. Is there like an actual message from her sister? No, just the article. And she'll scroll up through the text thread and like it really has ever since she's gotten back been just article after article and maybe little messages here thinking like just indicating I might just have to try it you know it's looking good and she just sees this and just that worry that her sister's gonna do something without running her by her she immediately like calls her sister Kanika picks up, and her voice is a little bit more raspy than normal. Hey sis, how are you doing? And all she can say is, I think I found new treatments for you. Okay. I'll have more information tomorrow. Get some rest. Alright. I love you. I love you, I'll talk to you soon. And she hangs up the phone, and really that was enough for her to kind of solidify her decision. You find yourself dressed sharply. And you're standing in front of Gregory Tapham's desk again. You've put on pretty much the nicest suit that you have. He's standing there and he's smiling. So, you've come back. Yeah. Learned Rooney took two weeks. I, I feel a little silly only taking one day. I'm not gonna show you that part of my hand. And he smiles a little bit. But you're smart. You're back. And she looks down and looks up at him and says... Well, I wanted answers. Let's get you those answers. She nods. Welcome to Project Red Pendulum. We're going to start off, we're going to get you into an orientation in Los Alamos, New Mexico, at our ice cave facility. It's going to be a six-week period, and then you'll return back to the D.C. area, and you'll be working with the Marsh Technologies branch. I believe that we should have that upstairs, and it's within the research department. Does that sound okay? Her eyebrows went up just slight when, when he said New Mexico because he she recognizes that as the location of the facility where the patients, so to say, so to speak, were moved from, you know, from Yuma. We can get you some answers. You may have more questions, but we can get you answers. Let's get to work. Welcome to the program, Dr. Razabong. I'm Tiana Hansen, and I play Rowan. I'm Ben Sislowski, and I play Rooster. I'm Seth Jones, and I play River. 
I'm Laura Domingo, and I play Quinn. I'm Dan Voshkevich, the handler. Our story is based upon the role-playing game Delta Green by Arc Dreams Publishing. Delta Green is created by Dennis Detweiler, Adam Scott Glancy, and John Scott Tynes. If you like our story, there are many ways you can support us. First, you can check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash theredactedreports. Patrons of our podcast will receive early access to episodes, Rowan's written reports for each story, as well as other goodies and opportunities exclusive to our patrons. We offer special thanks to our $20 and up patrons, Victor Von B., Stephen Schwartz, Director Arayo, Jonathan Powell, Skelly Lichboy, Tom Padula, M.S. Asnikar, Heather Ney, Jen Obertaz, Jake Blair, Bomb Clancy, and Ben Warner. If you can't support us directly, that's okay. Please support us by telling people about us. Leave a review wherever you get your podcast and follow us on all the usual social media sites. The Redacted Reports is edited and produced by Tiana Hansen and is distributed by Quest and Chaos. If you like what you hear, give Quest and Chaos YouTube and Twitch channels a visit. They play Dungeons and Dragons and Call of Cthulhu on a weekly basis. Join us next week, because outside the bounds of reality lurk entities with names unpronounceable by the human tongue, creatures of hunger and rage that would like nothing more than to devour our insignificant universe.